You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock, and every Sunday at this time from 6 to 8, we talk to someone who is a person of note and listen to music of their choice. And my guest in tonight's program is Monica Newton, who is the CEO of the National Arts Festival. Welcome, Monica. Thank you, and good evening to your listeners. How is it in Grahamstown? Cold? Interestingly, it's it's actually lovely. I'm a, I'm a free stater, um, so I'm used to the cold. I love the cold. But the true tragedy of 2020 is we had amazing weather over the festival period. Uh, it would have been absolutely wonderful to have had the festival with the weather that we had, but... COVID-19 had other plans for us. <laughs> yeah, because I've been to many festivals and some of them have been absolutely freezing cold or raining, but some of them have been gorgeous weather. Yeah. And uh, now you mentioned there that, of course, it was a very different festival this year. Just tell us a little bit about how different it was. Well, completely different. Uh, we, we stopped planning for a live event in March and started planning for an online event, which is something that we'd never done before. And I stand to be corrected, but I don't think anybody's really done on the scale uh, that we've done this year. And it's been an extraordinary experience. Of course, hindsight is always annoyingly uh, insightful. There are things that we would have done differently. But we've been incredibly fortunate, I think, with how well the festival's been received by both the artistic community and, and audiences. And it really does pave a way forward for us in, in the arts and for festivals that is very different from what we thought we were going to look like six months ago. And I suppose it's quite tricky because it's a first time for everyone. Uh, I don't suppose there are any models of online national arts festivals anywhere? Not really, no. Uh, and as one of my, my team members sort of mentioned in, in the frustration was to say, we're learning a new thing every 30 seconds. Um, enough. Uh, so it, it has been very, very hard on the team. Uh, we've had everybody doing a completely different thing from what they would normally be doing. And even though we did do setups for physical physical productions so we had live works that were pre-recorded by the festival our team wasn't managing those directly which is what they would normally be doing across 60 venues and five or six hundred productions every year in the live festival so uh, it was a very different year in in 2020 and we'll go down in history i think as one of the most difficult years of the festival which is 46 years old and and Richard I'm sure you've been to many of those editions and it survived a lot but this year was a particularly challenging one I'm sure it was and we're going to listen to your first choice of music which is by Ennio Morricone who died recently for a few dollars more this is performed by the Danish National Symphony Orchestra that was Ennio Morricone's piece for a few dollars more performed by the Danish National Symphony Orchestra, the choice of Monica Newton, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. She's the CEO of the National Arts Festival. Monica, you said, uh, you know, it was a challenge for everyone. And I guess it's also a challenge for the people of Grahamstown because they are used to having a great influx of visitors. And this year you would have had some, I guess, or maybe none. Just tell us about that. 
Well, one of the, the real difficulties about the live festival and its attachment to the town was that it was very clear that even as we started to plan for the live festival in, in February, we were starting to hear about this virus that was very prevalent in Asia and was spreading. And so there was already a concern because some of our very involved board members are in the tourism industry. And they were starting to hear that maybe there would be restrictions on travel. So we were thinking about coronavirus more in the context of, well, maybe international artists might be restricted from joining us, or maybe audiences uh, from our, our international guests would be fewer. But I don't think any of us really imagined that it would be legally impossible for us to have a live festival until, of course, the president addressed us on the 15th of March. And that really started to hit home. Because even if we wanted to do a live festival, it would not have been possible under what at that point now known as lockdown five, but was the total lockdown of the, the South African economy and society. As we started to prepare in the disaster management context, our public health system. And so more and more things became possible as we moved into the various levels of L4 and L3, but it is still not legal to have a gathering or an event yeah. of any shape or size. So even if we'd wanted to bring the live festival to, to Makanda, we couldn't. But there's no question that the city of Makanda is one of the biggest losers this year. We would ordinarily bring somewhere between 85 to 90 million rand of direct revenue to the city and in the region of 300 million to the economy of the province. And that has just not been possible. And if you know the city's history, and I'm sure you do, and you know its current challenges, this was one more horrible shock for a city that really has gone through some very, very hard times. And for ourselves as the festival company living here and this town being such an enormous part of the festival, we are very concerned about how we continue to build our relationship with the city and its residents. Yeah, and I'm sure that must be a, a big part of your headaches at the moment. I mean, you've probably had lots of headaches with the online uh, festival for the first time. Um, but let's listen to your second choice of music, because we're going to talk about all this over the next couple of hours as we explore this amazing world of the National Arts Festival. But I th your next choice is uh, very appropriate. It's by U2. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That was U2. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The choice of Monica Newton, who's my guest in People of Note. Monica, we know about the problems in Grahamstown, and we know about the problems this year with no festival, well, no uh, live festival with people coming to town. And how, how, in fact, did you find that the local people, if they reacted at all, how did they react to the fact that there was now an online festival? Because I guess many of the constituents in Grahamstown may not even have online facilities. It's been a mixed reaction. When we first started to hear about the pandemic, there was a lot of concern expressed on social media about what the festival was going to do. Because 
there was a sense that if we had the live edition, we would be inviting many people into the town, which could expand the risk of spreading the virus. So there was a lot of concern expressed by the community right early on as to what the festival was going to do and its impact. And certainly as we went into the online space, obviously a lot of concerns from our tourism stakeholders, our hospitality industry, uh, friends who host the thousands of people that come to the festival. Because at that point, we'd already seen major events in the town, roads, graduation ceremonies, all of those kinds of things, which are also part of the the economy of the town, already postponed or, or cancelled. We've seen quite a, a large audience from, from the community, which has been gratifying. But as you point out, there's a very large constituency that don't have internet access and for whom the online festival would not necessarily have been possible. But there have also been some really lovely stories. Uh, we were approached by um, the, the father of one of a classical duo of young women uh, violinists. And the the team uh, requested the festival for an opportunity to use the monument to film a production, which we did. It's called From Makanda to Kofifi. It's on the V Fringe, and they actually won an Ovation Award. So there's been... I think some benefit to the community, but on a much smaller scale, perhaps, than the live festival. And and that's something that we're all hopeful that by 2021, we'll be back, we'll be live, we'll be in the city of Makanda, and we'll be once again a very important focus of the economy and the life, the cultural life of the city. Yeah, because uh, it's a very important part of the cultural life, not only of the city, but of South Africa. And talking of the city, uh, isn't uh, Makanda known as the City of Angels? Because I see one of your choices is City of Angels. This is by the group called 30 Seconds to Mars. That's what's coming up now. That was City of Angels, uh, a music video created by Jared Leto, the band's lead. And that was the group 30 Seconds to Mars, chosen by Monica Newton, who is the CEO of the National Arts Festival. Well, what a shock it must have been for you, because this was your first year as CEO of the National Arts Festival, and it must have come as quite a shock to you, because you were coming in expecting something completely different, and you landed up with an online festival. How was that? A shock is is not (laughs) even uh, (laughs) a word that's able to encompass just exactly what this has been. I, I sort of left a career in civil service, moved from Johannesburg to Makanda. So 2020 was going to be a year of change, but I think not even Nostradamus could have predicted just exactly how much change we would have. Um, it's, it's been very tough. And of course, uh, for the team who is used to working in very close proximity, Um, working apart from each other. We've been organizing our virtual festival virtually. We've had team members in East London, PE, Johannesburg, Cape Town, and some of us in in Makanda. And it's, from a team management perspective, very challenging. The festival team is very close. They work together for decades, uh, many of them. And 
they feed on each other's energy. And for us to be apart from each other, and of course for two of us, Rusera and myself, Rusera Seethal, our artistic director, also joined the organization in January. It's been a very, very tough transition. And if it was difficult for me, equally, Rusera came in planning and approving a program for a live festival that we just stopped. And we started planning an entirely new festival in mid-March for delivery at the end of June. It's been, uh, yeah, it has tested all of our skills, expertise, patience, sense of humor, and and most of all, just resilience. Uh, and, and that's been the extraordinary lesson for me about the festival team, is that they are not just true professionals at live events. They have the most extraordinary ability to adapt to any challenge that you throw at them. And if, if anybody deserves the accolades from the online festival, it is the National Arts Festival team. They're an extraordinary group of people. Well, I think this may be true of South Africans as a whole, because when, when we have challenges, generally we rise to the challenge and meet it head on. And obviously that's happened in the case of your team in Makanda. And how have the artists reacted to this? Because it's also a new experience for them. I think there's been a mixed reaction. So for younger artists, it was a space that they could enter into with no rules, no gatekeepers, nobody to say, well, you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. And we had a couple of webinars in the lead up to the festival talking to, to artists who were already working in the online space. And they were all exceptionally receptive to a space that allowed them to experiment and maybe to be a little bit less successful than they would have anticipated, but for audiences to be patient with that. But there certainly is a, a constituency in the in the arts world that is worried about the impact of technology on, for example, the live experience. And a question as to whether or not when you film theater, is it then a cinematic product? Is it film? Have you fundamentally changed the nature of the art form because you've changed the medium through which it's presented? So there's been a lot of contestation in the space and, and not just around the National Arts Festival, to be fair, but across the entire art world. And one of the bigger debates at the moment is whether or not there is in fact sustainable revenue for anybody in the online space. So I think that the, the National Art Festival has stepped in and done things in a particular way, but I don't think we've settled any questions. Uh, so artists were receptive. Artists have, I think, enjoyed the opportunity to experiment. Some, uh, like Jefferson Shabalala, Standard Bank Young Artist um, winner for performing arts, was already in the space and he's hugely comfortable in that space. But for others, a very difficult transition as they've moved away from a lifelong history in live performance into, into an online performance. So I think some mixed reactions, but overall, I would hope an indication of what opportunities are out there in the online space, because I think that we're going to be doing more and more work 
in the digital space, in the online space, because there's no telling how long we're going to be living with COVID. Yeah, and that's a great worry, of course, for for everyone. And we're going to listen to your next piece of music now, which is uh, Johnny Clegg and Savuka, because we are all scattered all over the place at the moment. And this is his famous song, Scatterlings of Africa. That was Johnny Clegg and Scatterlings of Africa. And just uh, a couple of weeks ago, Johnny Clegg, we celebrated or commemorated a year since he died. And we've lost one of our great uh, artists in Johnny Clegg. I'm talking to Monica Newton, uh, who's the CEO of the National Arts Festival, about the Arts Festival this year, which has been very different to former years. And Monica, one of the uh, big things about Makanda and the National Arts Festival is, of course, the interaction between all the people who are there. And it, just to pick up on what you were saying, performing for a, a cell phone, in many cases, I guess it will be, and performing for live audiences is a very different thing because of the energy exchange. And I know myself as someone who performs for, for audiences, that the energy that you get from the audience is an important part of the whole production. And it's quite difficult to imagine doing concerts as we are all having to do now with no feedback, immediate feedback from the audience. Because one of the things we rely on is that immediate feedback that you get. Mm -hmm. And have you had that from some of the, the people who've done online stuff for you? Absolutely. And for a lot of musicians, I think, uh, and, and anybody who was in our recording spaces, it was incredibly poignant to see artists on stage performing to an empty theater. Um, and, and that must have been incredibly difficult for, for, for everybody. And equally, and Rob van Feeren had made this point in, in one of our webinars, was to say that he actually had to adapt his performance because in comedy, you would normally pause. You would wait for audience reaction and then you would move to your next bit. But if you do that in front of an online audience, it looks like you've forgotten your lines. <laughs> so he actually had to change completely how he delivered his work for online. And of course, when your audience is the singular eye of the camera and when, when you're a theater practitioner and when that camera is actually on stage with you, there's an entirely different dynamic because you're not you're used to owning the stage. Um, you're the actor. It's your space. And yet here you have a film crew on the stage with you. I think it's taken an enormous toll on on artists and it has meant that they've had to adapt at a technical level in terms of delivering work to, to an unseen audience, but also at a physical level, how they've designed their staging, how their set direction worked, where their set pieces were so that people weren't falling all over one another in, in filming the production. So I think it's been an enormous level of adaptability. We, we use the term pivot so glibly um, you know, as though all of us are a, a fixed mounted kitchen tap that can just swivel from left to right with with no effort. But 
from somebody who's done it, uh, there's an enormous amount of grind and stress and strain when it comes to pivoting in any context. Yeah, I'm sure. And and actually, just looking at, at your next choice, I want to talk about your choice of music in a moment, but uh, I think we need to dig deep within ourselves. And you've chosen a song by Lyra, Something Inside So Strong. And I'm sure we all have to dig deep and find extra strength inside of us, as I'm sure you have over the last uh, few months. But here's Lyra with Something Inside So Strong. That was the great song, Something Inside So Strong by Lyra and performed by her and chosen by Monica Newton, who's my guest in People of Note. Monica, just tell me about your choice of music uh, quickly, because I see you've chosen stuff from film and film soundtracks, pop, rock and soul, and then some local artists. So you've obviously got quite an eclectic taste in music. Completely eclectic. And I, I love film. I love cinema. I've loved film soundtracks and film scores uh, my whole life. And you, you've seen there have been some films that have been so important to me in, in, as I've kind of grown as a person that I still watch and rewatch in, in the same way as I listen to music over and over and I read books over and over. And they are an escape. They're a solace. Um, yeah, it, it influences my mood. It, it changes how I see the world. When, when I'm feeling particularly fragile or vulnerable, the incredible score from Schindler's List is the first on my playlist because it, it speaks to fragility, vulnerability, tragedy, and yet in, in spite of all of that, hope. And that's really how I – music – changes how I see the world. And so my taste is is very much about what I need at that given point. So, uh, yeah, and, and you just have a tiny selection. <laughs> <laughs> my playlist is, is, in essence, an enormous record store. Uh, I don't listen slavishly to any one thing, and I don't follow any particular genre or, or, or discipline of music. Uh, with any great degree. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's almost a plebeian taste. I know what I like um, rather than an informed one, but I do love music. And do you and like to, do I you love like listening to, to it in the car. Yeah. Do you listen while you work? Yes, uh, when I can. Obviously, in an office space, you don't want to impinge on, on anybody else. But certainly while I've been working from home, yes, I love driving and I love driving with music in the car. So I listen to obviously music radio to some degree, a little bit talk radio, uh, but largely music in the car. And, and absolutely on the weekends, it's one of my favorite things is just to to listen. And I really enjoy music videos as an art form. So the, the music video for City of Angels um, produced by the band 30 Seconds to Mars is, is a beautiful piece of cinema and it's accompanied by an incredibly beautiful piece of music. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Well, you mentioned uh, Schindler's List, John Williams, Here It Comes. That was the title track from Schindler's List, that incredibly moving film. Uh, John Williams composed that and it was chosen by Monica Newton who's my guest in People of Note tonight. She's the CEO of the National Arts Festival which was a rather different experience this year. Monica, looking forward 
to the future, let's say next year things are opened up or not opened up, will you be doing more online material for next year, do you think, whatever happens? I think there's no going back. So we've we've taken huge steps forward in technological advancement in an incredibly short space of time. So going forward, I imagine that we will continue to do work in the online space, but we're a live festival company. We believe in live. We believe in offering experiences that can be shared by people, believe in offering access to those experiences, whether they are in a city like Makanda or in the in the online space. So what I see going forward is a hybrid where a company like ours has a digital strategy that informs our business model in the same way as our live activities inform our, our business model. But there is no question that we're very unlikely to go back to where we were and our audiences are going to be different the economic profile of our audiences are going to be different how audiences relate to each other in spaces let alone responding to work i think is going to be very different so and our art sector so fragile and vulnerable is is in tatters now what it may be in, in six to 12 to 18 months, as we've seen, for example, the shuttering of the Fugard Theatre. So our entire world is going to look very different over the next six to, to 12 months. And as festivals, we are built on the foundations of a professional art sector. And yeah, they're sleepless nights ahead, I think, uh, for those of us that do work in the festival space, but also for those of us that love and believe in the arts. Well, and here, appropriately now, is Aretha Franklin saying a little prayer. That was Aretha Franklin with Say a Little Prayer. And believe me, dear listeners, we're all saying prayers about the future because none of us really knows what's going to be happening in six months, a year, with our lives as musicians, broadcasters, artists, festival organizers. And Monica, you talked about audiences. Tell us a little bit about what sort of listenership or viewership or audiences you've had for the online material that you've produced. We've had just over 75,000 users on our website, uh, which is quite extraordinary given that it actually went live on the 18th of June. So, and, and those audiences have seen over 800,000 pages. Um, so there's an extraordinary interest in, in the arts online. What has been very different from our live festival experience is that where normally the bulk of our audience would be women, the bulk of our audience, about 55% um, in this particular case, is men. And a huge proportion of the audience are under 35. Whereas it, with respect to the live audience, we would generally be looking at, at a kind of a, a, a middle-aged cohort, let's say between the ages of 30 and about 50. Yeah. So there's been a distinct shift, not an unanticipated shift, 
But I think what has been very interesting is that the bulk of our users, uh, nearly 60% on some days, actually viewing via mobile phone. Now, um, for, for you and I, that might be a truly bizarre concept, watching theater on a mobile phone. But I think that the, the world is changing so much and people are choosing to experience content in, in a way that is convenient to them, not in terms of necessarily a way that we would regard as the producers of content as optimal. And that's been a very interesting thing that we've been able to do with the online version is that instead of imposing our vision of the world on audiences through the program and how we schedule it, audiences have essentially defined how they would experience this festival. So it's been fascinating for me behind the scenes to be watching the analytics on a literally minute by minute basis because I can see literally minute by minute who is joining us from South Africa, who's joining us from the rest of the world, what they're watching. And it's extraordinary that at six in the morning, there are people watching jazz. Yeah. Now, admittedly, that's an international audience. Um, but it is it is very interesting that our online audience is completely different from our live audience and their behavior is completely different. And that's one of the big lessons that we learned as the festival team was that our 11 day concept of a festival in terms of the online space really needed to be adjusted. We needed more time because people were designing festivals based on their time, not on our schedule. Yeah, and I suppose when you've got a live festival, you need to do things while people are there. But now mm. you've got endless time for people to watch, although yeah. I think you have a cutoff time for festival offerings, do you? Yes, the 31st of July. And our, our VFringe platform, our curated work, the incredible Standard Bank Jazz Festival, all of the work is available until the 31st of July, mainly because we we, we need a bit of a break. Uh, the team <laughs> is going to collapse in a heap and for about a week, and then we're going to start planning uh, for our live festival in 2021. And just for the listeners, just give us the website where they go to find out all about this online festival. Nationalartsfestival.co.za is the place to be. Everything happens on the website. We have our pre-recordings of webinars that we've done in the past. There's video on demand content. We've got our walkthrough visual arts galleries, virtual green, where you can check out amazing design and craft work. And of course, you're also able to access reviews and comments via our social media platforms. And there you are. That's all up till the 31st of July, www.nationalartsfestival.co.za. That's where you can go and you'll find all the information. And I guess there are a lot of prompts to tell you where to go if you want particular uh, material. So you can join the 75,000 viewers that have already been there. And I'm quite keen to know, Monica, how many of those were international and has it opened up a whole new world to the National Arts Festival? Absolutely. So about 80% of our viewers have been local and, of course, spread across the country, which has been amazing that we've had so much local support. But 
20% of those viewers have come to us from around the world. And there's not a continent with the exception of Antarctica that we've not had an audience member from. So we, we've been incredibly gratified to see viewers from the US, uh, from Argentina, from China, from Indonesia, from India, uh, joining us daily uh, on, on our festival platform. And that's really been one of the real eye-openers to us is that in the online space, you are not bound by time and geography. And and that's really where I think an incredible opportunity lies for the amazing artworks of South Africa and the amazing artists that South Africa has. And we shouldn't step back from the fact that we've now dipped our toes in this pond and we yeah we need to learn to swim and just a matter of interest under normal circumstances with your live audiences how many of those would be international visitors the bulk of our visitors would be in fact local from south africa and in fact interestingly from the eastern cape over 50 percent of them because obviously there's an opportunity cost to coming to the live festival you've got to travel here you've got to get your accommodation you've got to feed yourself so there's an opportunity cost uh for our live audiences which is not really there for our online audiences with the exception obviously of of internet connectivity so in some respects, the profile is fairly similar. However, for local audiences, we've definitely seen more folks from across the country joining us. And I think the diversity of audiences joining us from the international domain has been what's been very interesting. Ordinarily, our international audience would sort of match South Africa's tourism profile. It would be folks from Europe, folks from the UK, folks from the US. But in this case, we've seen a huge number of people, for example, from the continent joining us from different parts of the US than one would necessarily expect, from different parts of Europe than one would usually expect. So we're really hopeful that we've we've created a, an interest in, in what we have to offer. And maybe, just maybe, some of those folks will join us for the live edition next year. Well, we certainly hope so. And here's your next choice, which is uh, Trevor Jones and Randy Edelman. And Trevor Jones is a South African. He lives in Cape Town now. Uh, last of the Mohicans. This is the Elk Hunt. That was music by Trevor Jones and Randy Edelman. The Last of the Mohicans. The Elk Hunt. The choice of Monica Newton, my guest in People of Note. So, looking forward to next year what about other things because i know you often had a a, a schools festival and a sci mm -hmm. fest uh, what what else is happening now also i guess online well we we actually organize five large festivals throughout the year so we we need to be thinking about the future of sci fest africa the national science festival certainly schools festival we do mastule um, the choral concert generally in, in the early part of the new year. So we are hopeful that in 2021, we'll be able to go back to doing live events. Um, but in the meantime, we're definitely exploring online spaces. We've become exceptionally proficient at webinars. Uh, so if anybody needs an online conference organized, the National Arts Festival is your team. We're incredibly good at it. But we're also thinking about different kinds of ways, different kinds of revenue models as well, because as a 
non-profit company, we have a lot of generous support from government and the private sector. But equally, as every South African faces a new and harsh economic reality, so too do our core donors and sponsors. So we're doing a lot of thinking work about revenue streams, business models, and those kinds of things at the moment as well. So it really is a, a year of change, of reflection, and of building a resilient festival company, um, which is what uh, predecessors, um, the extraordinary Lynette Moray and, of course, Tony Lancaster have done, is is built a, a 46-year-old company that together now with its its core brands, National Arts Festival, SciFest Africa, also needs to change and adapt to a new reality. Well, it's certainly a a huge challenge for for all of you and for the other festivals and I guess for the schools because uh, tell us a little bit about Grahamstown or Makanda as it's now known because uh, of the university and the schools I'm sure many of them haven't been operating at at full capacity either so I guess the the city itself is sort of thin on the ground, as it were, at the moment? It's incredibly quiet. Uh, the private schools that are, are part of the, the landscape here and have been for, for, for many, many years, many of them went online really, really early on. So similar to the, the public schools, they have certain kinds of grades that have come back. Of course, our public schools also have limited grades that are back. Rhodes University um, moved online quite quickly, but slowly but surely, students are returning to campus. So there is definitely economic activity, but it is a quieter town, uh, absolutely. And of course, like every other town, city, village, we we need the ability to offer ourselves as a tourism venue to to have full economic activity return and and until that time things are, are going to be very very tough in in Makanda and of course in in every in every city um, and every town across across the country as we all adapt to the new realities of life with COVID uh, we've had a couple of cases here. Uh, one of our sister institutions, Amazwi, um, was shuttered a couple of weeks ago with COVID-19 cases. And, and I think that's going to be our reality, is, is adapting to, to living with COVID. So we may look at doing more open air events should such time arise where we are able to, to organize gatherings. We're keeping a close eye on the folks that are, are thinking about doing drive-in-based performances. Um, there's a group in Cape Town, there's a group in Durban, and, and there's a group in Joburg who's, who's sort of thinking about these kinds of models. For the moment, as far as I understand, it's still not legally possible to put those kinds of events together. But yeah, we we very likely to start playing with those kinds of ideas as well. Yeah, that's very interesting because, in fact, we looked at that very idea of a drive-in Starlight Classics, mm -hmm. which is what mm -hmm. is coming up. That's a big gig that we do every year for about 5,000 people or over two nights, 10,000 people. And we looked at a drive-in, but we gave it up in the end just because it was mm -hmm. too complicated right at the moment mm -hmm. to do it. But we're doing uh, an online version of Starlight Classics, which will be coming out end of September, beginning of October. Uh, but also that, 
is not so easy. I mean, we've just finished doing some work on it last week, and it's a completely new game. Here I find myself sitting in, in a studio talking to some of the artists from around the world because normally they would be here and we could talk to them face to face, and it's a whole new world, really. Mm-hmm. Now, your next choice of music is uh, Mafiki Zolo, Ndiahamba Nawe. That was Mafiki Zolo with Ndiahamba Nawe, and I see my producer, Mataba Taba, who's very much part of these programs, having a chuckle to himself about the, the choice of music. He loves your choice of music, Monica. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. And you must know that when Mataba Taba's involved in uh, approving of the choice of music, it's got to be a good program. So this is a wonderful thing. So now you've come to the end, or you will, on the 31st of July, you'll come to the sort of the official end of the National Arts Festival. What is the the next thing? You said you had five festivals. What is the next thing that's going to occupy your minds and your staff? At the moment, SciFest Africa. Uh, we had planned to do it in April. Of course, it was not possible under the lockdown provisions then. We had shifted it forward to September because, of course, at the time, it looked like it might be likely that we could go back to doing live events in, in September. But, yeah, we, we're giving a lot of thought to to what to do about SciFest Africa. Um, it is the National Science Festival, and it is a really important part of – making sure that science is accessible to people from all walks of life and specifically school kids. And of course, uh, the 2020 cohort of of anybody at school, such a difficult year, uh, so much to catch up on, so much time lost, so much concern about how school kids are going to adapt to to this new this new reality. And of course, our schools festival, which is normally part of the National Arts Festival, we we need to make sure that our arts access programs continue. We're also thinking about upskilling our company, um, making sure that we're all as technologically proficient as we can be. What was really interesting about the company is that it's quite used to working distant from each other, which really gave us a bit of a head start, I think, uh, given that we didn't actually close at all uh, under under the lockdown provisions. We just immediately started working um, in the virtual space. But there's a bit of systems-based work that we need to do. There's a bit of governance-based work that we need to do as we imagine ourselves over the next six months actually not being able to to be together as a full team at the monument in, in Makanda. So lots of thinking work to do, lots of reimagining work to do, which in some respects is very exciting. In other respects, is a little exhausting, <laughs> but it's it's all in the nature of what 2020 is for every organization. And of course, uh, also recognizing that we, we have a very important role to play in the arts ecology and also thinking about what we can do more to support the arts and what we should all be doing more and what are the policy agendas that we need to be thinking about in order to support festivals going forward, live performance going forward, but critically the disciplines that make up a festival like ours, we need to make sure that the arts survives in this time. And I think what's really interesting is that you now have 
with all the the online material that you've sent out, mm. you've got an incredible archive already mm. from this year of material that you can perhaps use again in the future or that mm. you can refer to in the past, which may be from previous festivals, you didn't have such a record. Absolutely. And what it is also is professionally recorded. So it's actually recorded for presentation in an online space, not merely as archival. So it's multi-camera shoots, not just single camera shoots. But the fundamental thing actually is that artists now own this work. And there are already a couple of productions that we've presented at the National Arts Festival that are in discussion with other festivals. So we really hope that this festival has also proved to be an economic foundation for artists to take this work into other online festivals. And that's also a space that we're really interested in, in keeping an eye on because more and more co-productions, working together, collaboration is going to be so important for all of us uh, at this time. And, and so we as the festival are really going to be opening ourselves up to those opportunities more and more. Well, and your next choice is very appropriate. Land of Hope and Dreams. This is Bruce Springsteen. Land of Hope and Dreams, performed by the great Bruce Springsteen, the choice of Monica Newton, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. That's the program you're listening to on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock, and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 till 8. And I just want to give you those website details again, www.nationalartsfestival.co.za. And if you want to contact the festival, Monica, can I give them your email? Absolutely. It's monica at nationalartsfestival.co.za. There we go. Monica at nationalartsfestival.co.za. And you can contact her if you want to talk about the festival. Perhaps you've watched some of the festival and you'd like to give her feedback, which I'm sure uh, everyone needs, not only the festival, the National Arts Festival. Everyone needs feedback at the moment because it's a, a time of great opportunity for communication. Because if, you're, if you've got a computer or a cell phone, you can talk to pretty well whoever you want to now. Uh, and that's, I'm sure, what you've been doing, uh, Monica. And I'm sure you've had very positive feedback from people who've, those who, the 75,000, I don't suppose all of them give you feedback, but I'm sure you've had lots of feedback. Absolutely. We've been very fortunate that some folks have taken the time on social media or sending us a voice note or sending us an email just to say how much they appreciated the, the effort that we had made. We we had some real technical difficulties in, in the first couple of days of the festival. Our audiences were really, really patient with us, which we really appreciated. We needed that. Um and it's it's been extraordinary how we've had folks who've enjoyed production so much. They've actually come up and, and said how much they enjoyed, for example, um, some of the very innovative work that was done uh, with The Shopping Dead, uh, which is a WhatsApp theater performance. And, and there was really good feedback on that. We've had wonderful media coverage as well, um, both in, in social media and traditional media with the real sense that people have been very interested in what we were trying to achieve. People have been really receptive to the work that's been presented, whether it was dance, whether it was music, uh, whether it was visual arts, and that's been hugely gratifying. But as always, feedback, 
both good and bad, um, is good for us to know and learn about and, and take on board as we begin to think about the prospects of doing this again, improving uh, when we do it again, and fundamentally making sure that there's feedback in the space so that everybody gets to learn from the experience of the National Arts Festival. Because there are other festivals which are coming up which are thinking about using online platforms. And, and of course, we're really open to sharing our experience and making sure that actually our first steps can be a learning experience for everybody. Well, and this sounds like it's not an empty fantasy because that's your next choice, Louise Carver singing Empty Fantasy. That was Louise Carver, South African performer singing Empty Fantasy, the choice of Monica Newton, my guest in People of Note. She's the CEO of the National Arts Festival. Monica, just this is more of a personal question for you. How has it been for you now moving from sort of the center of things in Gauteng and going to live in Makanda, albeit in rather tricky circumstances with the festival, how has the move been for you? Well, I, I come from a small town. Um, so I, I was really quite interested in moving back to a place where traffic is not such a big deal, uh, where you, you, you kind of get to know your neighbors a little bit. And, and I've been very, very warmly received by the city. But moving is incredibly tough. For some reason, my packing didn't quite include some of the things that it really should have. Uh, so uh, my ironing board arrived, but no iron. Um, it, yeah, it, very, very strange. And of course, in the time that I had before the lockdown, there wasn't really an opportunity to consolidate and to really go, okay, well, I can bring these things um, from Johannesburg and, and, and my life can be assembled in, in holes rather than in parts. So I still feel slightly dislocated, I suppose, uh, from, from everything. But probably one of the hardest things is being completely isolated from friends and family. We're a very, very close-knit family. We would normally see each other quite a bit. Uh, we get together at birthdays and those kinds of things. And not being able to do that this year has been very hard. And, and that's the experience of everybody, really. Um, is is not being able to to kind of give somebody a hug, not being able to to kind of pop in and say hello, or or just go and visit family. Um, my aunt and uncle are based in in the family home in Clarence, and we would normally be assembling there at some point in July to celebrate people's birthdays, but that's just not possible this year, and that's yeah, that's hard. But equally, we we are well. For the moment, um, the family is holding together for the moment. So we're, yeah, we're in a slightly better position than I think many people are. Yeah, and we have to say that virtual hugs are not the same as real hugs. <laughs> no, indeed. And there's, there's really a limit to how many Zoom or Google Meets <laughs> or, or, or that you can have and actually cope in a day. Uh, there's a point at which my entire life feels like a very long Zoom conference. So <laughs> I, I've actually resorted to making phone calls. Somehow it seems more personal. Well, talking of journeys from one place to another, here's the wonderful Yvonne Chaka Chaka with Stimela. That was Yvonne Chaka Chaka performing that great song, Stimela. 
And we're getting towards the end of the program now. I'm talking to uh, Monica Newton. Monica, I just want to find out quickly how you got into the arts world. How did that happen? It's it's a fairly convoluted story, but I've always loved the arts, but I have no creative talent myself. My mother was an avid reader, a huge supporter of the arts, and uh, was, an, it's a fairly inelegant term, but a culture vulture. So it didn't really matter what it was. She was just interested in it, and she, she loved experiencing music and film and theater and Growing up in Clarence, we were about 300 kilometers away from any major center, Bloemfontein, Joburg, where there was a theater or cinema. And so when we were able to, we would be packed in the car and we would go to the Saint Duplessis or we'd, we'd, we'd go and see theater, ballet, which was something that she loved very dearly when, when we were in Joburg. And I have an abiding interest in the sort of economics of creativity and how the creative economy works. And so as part of my master's thesis, I studied film distribution. And that sort of gave me a gateway into a fairly extraordinary policy moment in South Africa where government after the promulgation of the, the 1996 white paper started to take an interest in the creative economy or creative industries as it was then titled. And so I got my very first job out of university working with the cultural industries growth strategy at what was then the National Department of Arts, Culture, Science and Technology. And so throughout my career, I worked around arts facilitation, uh, supporting economic initiatives and really just being astounded by the innovation and flexibility and resilience at the heart of the arts from an economic context, but also from a consumer context, because I, I am equally like my mother, a, a bit of a culture vulture, but it's been a lifelong love. And I've been very fortunate to be able to have a career that's enabled me to be involved in, in part or in, in, in a great way. Um, in, in arts development across the country. Well, I think we're very lucky to have you at the National Arts Festival, at the helm of the National Arts Festival, because I've been talking to Monica Newton, who is the CEO of the National Arts Festival, and she's based in Makanda in the Eastern Cape. And so I just want to say thank you, Monica, for joining us here on People of Note, and thank you to Mataba Taba, who's helped us put the program together. And we really look forward to what's going to come out of your present experiences at the National Arts Festival with the festival going forward. So um, thank you very much indeed. We're going to play out with your final choice, Leave a Light On, which is <laughs> perhaps an important thought about leaving lights on in theatres and concert halls and jazz venues, wherever you are. Let's keep the lights on in the arts world. Thanks, Monica, very much for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me, and I really hope uh, that your listeners enjoyed the show. And until next time, as we play out with Lever Light on from all of us here at Classic 1027, we say thank you and good night.